I had never been a head coach before I came here, so I had a lot to learn. Uh, I had never been a head coach in the Big Ten when I went to Ohio State, so I had a lot to learn. Uh, it takes a little bit of time, and, and you have to take those trials and, and tribulations. And and, uh, and, I, and I've always really been a believer. I've never seen anything great happen that isn't uh, there isn't a little bit of suffering leading up to it. Um, I know after we won the championship in 02, everyone wanted to compare each team thereafter. Well, is this going to be like 02, just like the 02 team? And I used to always tell them, no, this isn't anything like the 02 team. They haven't suffered. Where can you turn when you're in pain? Turn to Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, where more high school, college, and pro athletes turn, where your neighbors and weekend warriors turn where you'll get immediate access to expert orthopedic specialists, physical therapy, and imaging at 15 convenient locations throughout the greater Cincinnati area. When you're in pain, turn to Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine and get superior care on your schedule. Visit beaconortho.com to schedule your appointment. That's the Beacon difference. Absolutely. You have any, uh, before we get rolling, Coach, you have any uh, questions for us? Oh, oh you're, you're the one supposed to be asking the question. There we go. All right. All right. Luke Fickle said you're going to be tough on us, so he's right. right. So good friend of the program here, and uh, we've had a couple of, of uh, uh, coaches you've been with, so can't wait to uh, get rolling. So Calvin will kick it off, and we'll get, we'll get moving. It's about uh, 25, 30 minutes. Is that okay? Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Perfect. awesome. All right. <clears throat> go ahead, Calvin. Coach, appreciate you uh, taking time again out of your busy schedule up there at Youngstown State uh, and, and leading, you know, leading the school and whatnot and, and joining myself and my partner Kyle Decker here on the Underdog Podcast. It's good to be with both of you guys. And I've, I've got a lot of buddies that have been on the podcast and they said you guys are, are uh, pretty tame, so it, it shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. And actually, Coach, well, I, I got to get used to saying president or coach, but either way, me and you – Grew up a diehard Buckeye fan. This guy right here, Michigan fan, or I guess the team up north, I should say. So you dominated 9-1-0 against you. So thank you for all those wins back at, uh, at Ohio State. Really appreciate it. Well, in his young life, he's had a lot of pain then. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's been rough. It has. Yeah. It has. Yeah. Yeah. I was giving a hard time. They, they did, it. They did a good job in basketball, though. So they had a nice basketball game. So, yeah, yeah, you know, right. Yeah, I mean, you know, as a lot of people say right now, well, you know, right now we're a little ba- we're a basketball school. We'll take yeah, that right yeah. now. <laughs> the blue baller, so that's for sure. So also, I got my uh, my pops. I think he might love you. You can see him on the sweater vest here. Those I have, he he might love uh, Jim Trestle more than uh, definitely his two sons and maybe <laughs> my mom. So anyway, I had to show uh, old pops in the sweater vest. But uh, nonetheless, where did the sweater vest to kick it off? And then we'll obviously get into more of your underdog story. But where where did the sweater vest originate? We played mostly night games here at Youngstown State. And we're up in the northeast corner of the state. And heck, after Labor Day is over, it starts getting chilly at night. Uh, so, you know, I threw on a sweater vest, and, and uh, that kind of became what I wore. And, and so when I got to Ohio State, uh, talking to the people from Nike and all that, they said, well, what are you going to wear on the sideline? I don't know. What do you want me to wear? They said, well, what do you normally wear? I said, well, you know, normally I wear a sweater vest and it's a little chilly out 
chilly up there. We didn't have that many day games. And, and they said, okay, well, you're, you're going to wear a sweater vest. We don't care what the temperature is. So I was out there, and it was 98 degrees. I was wearing sweater vests. It's silly. You know, but, uh, you know, the, the people from Nike are in charge. So, you know, if it got real cold, I told them I'm putting a coat over the sweater vest because, you know, and, uh, they were okay with that. But uh, that's kind of how it evolved. Yeah, love it, love it. So, well, let's get into a little bit of your journey. And uh, I was listening to some content. You said trials and tribulations are a blessing. So, if we go back to, you know, your first head coaching job, I think a lot, like a lot of our guests, on, you know, they see you winning the national championship in two thousand two or the four national championships previously at Youngstown State. But before of all those championships, before you reached, you know, that mountaintop of winning in the highest level of of your industry. Um, you had a losing season to start, right? You were, I think, two in eight or one in one in nine going in your last game at Youngstown State in your first season, and you beat Akron. And you talk about how uh, you handled that adversity as your first year of coach and how that kind of sprung you forward in your first large case uh, of adversity. Can you start with uh, your Youngstown State experience and how you got through that? You know, I think anytime you're, you're doing something new, never happens as quickly as you would like it. It takes time to develop relationships and whether it was our first year at ISU where we were two and nine or first year at Ohio State where we were seven and five. Getting to know one another, learning to trust one another, to learn. You know, I had never been a head coach before I came here, so I had a lot to learn. Uh, I had never been a head coach in the Big Ten when I went to Ohio State, so I had a lot to learn. Uh, and it takes a little bit of time and and you have to take those trials and, and tribulations. And and, uh, and, I, and I've always really been a believer. I've never seen anything great happen that isn't, uh, there isn't a little bit of suffering leading up to it. Um, I know after we won the championship in 02, everyone wanted to compare each team thereafter. Well, is this going to be like 02, just like the 02 team? And I used to always tell them, no, this isn't anything like the O2 team. They haven't suffered. You know, they, they, these, these guys have had good years. They've had bowl years at you know BCS bowl games, January 1st games. They've, they've not really suffered like the group prior to O2. Group prior to O2, uh, the seniors were 6-6, six and 8-4, six, 7-5. and five. That's not what you want to be at Ohio State. Right. And they had a coaching transition and – and so they suffered a great deal, and they probably weren't the best team we ever had at Ohio State, but they had suffered probably the most. Now I think going forward to 2014, um, people ask, well, is this one going to be like 02? And I said, you know what? I think this one will be because that group went through a coaching transition, went through a year without a bowl game, went through some tough times, had never won a championship, and I'm not sure, you know, they necessarily were the best team in the country. They'd suffered. Maybe they'd suffered more than Alabama. And, you know, they were up onto their, what, second or third quarterback with Cardell coming in. And, and uh, it had a lot of suffering. So long answer to your short question, I'm high on suffering. Every good thing that's ever happened to me uh, has been uh, trained with a little bit of suffering. Yeah, and, and kind of going through your journey a little bit here, Coach, obviously 
spending the time you did, I think it was close to 15 years at Youngstown. When you were at, and you were obviously elite coach at that level, but looking back, I remember growing up, I was, I was a, I guess, a, a middle schooler at that time. But thinking about, like, you know, on a national level, like, I didn't really understand where Youngstown State was. And so I think it was the same thing. Like, you kind of talk about it, a little bit of the underdog approach of getting that Ohio State job to a certain degree, you know, was like, wow, we're going to take this coach, even though he's had great success, but, you know, he's not, you know, coming in from X, Y, and Z Power 5 school. You know, he's coming from 1AA Youngstown State. Can you walk us through you know, getting that job and um, what it took to kind of overcome maybe some of those perceptions? You know, I mean, it, it took a lot of courage by the people at Ohio State because that's not what you normally do. At a place like Ohio State, you, you have your pick of whoever you'd like. Uh, Andy Geiger, who was the athletic director, who happens to be Andy's birthday today. Happy so birthday. Him a shout out. And uh, but the courage he had to select someone from one double A, uh, you know, I'm not sure a one double A coach had ever gone on and and uh, uh, you know won a national championship or anything. I think Frank Beamer was close. Didn't Frank Beamer play for it? Um, you know, and, and he came from Murray State, but there wasn't a long track record, you know, of that type of thing happening. So courage that he had, I think the thing that Andy knew that he wanted was he wanted someone that could connect with uh, the people in Ohio. So I had an opportunity there because I'd been 11 years an assistant coach and 15 years a head coach. So there's a lot of connectivity to high school coaches. And I think he wanted someone who had demonstrated that late in the season, their teams were playing their best. And we were able to demonstrate that through playoffs and those kinds of things. And, and, I think those were the two major things he was looking for. And, uh, you know, fortunately got the job and, and I'm sure it would qualify for your underdog status. I mean, there's no <laughs> question about that. But uh, I have to tip my cap to Andy Geiger and the, and the entire search committee for having the courage. Yeah, absolutely. And then you had the courage to step in front of a whole shot in Steen Arena. Do you want to read that quote, Calvin? You want to? I'll get it for you. I got you. Okay, let's read this for you. I can assure you that you will be proud of your young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. That took a lot of power. Thank you for doing that. That was was out of your comfort zone. (laughs) So, yeah, you stepped in front of that arena, Coach, and, and said that. Like you said, Andy Geiger had a lot of faith in you, but obviously you had a lot of faith in your abilities. Well, I, I had a lot of faith in the state of Ohio. Ohio State has always had very capable talent. I was there for three years as an assistant. I knew that. I watched them my whole life. Um, and, you know, so I knew we had a chance to be very, very good. Uh, I knew if we could recruit Ohio uh, that that would be a big deal, uh, to taking us to the next level. and. And, you know, I had kind of studied the whole Ohio State-Michigan rivalry from the beginning. You know, the, those first 20 years or so, we were 1-19 or whatever and getting beat by 90 points. And, like, the day that Carmen, Ohio, was uh, pen, put pen to paper, uh, we lost 96 to nothing to Michigan. And on their way home in the bus, they were 
they were on the train or however they got there. I don't know. Uh, both that song and and, uh, and and I knew that there were some important steps that had to happen to take over and gain control of that rivalry. And they had taken some of them. Paul Brown was the first step. And Paul Brown came to Ohio State as the head coach from the high school ranks, underdog, for sure. And who's going to pick a high school coach? Uh, but he really began the opportunity for Ohio kids to think about Ohio State in the top two or three schools. Prior to that, they didn't. They were going to go to Michigan, Notre Dame, Iowa, Wisconsin. They weren't going to Ohio State at that time. Second step that was taken was when Andy Geiger came in and and uh, after they inched and inched and inched, gotten better with Paul Brown and Woody Hayes and so forth. When Andy got there, he said, hey, I'm not sure you guys know how good you can be. And that's when he invested 200 and some million dollars in the horseshoe and built the Jesse Owens Stadium. And we put 35 million in the Woody Hayes Center and, and uh, built the new baseball stadium. And he wanted us to be the number one athletic department in the country. I think that was the second step to catching up and overtaking in the rivalry. And the third step I knew we could handle. And that was if we would close the door on recruiting in Ohio. Michigan couldn't have Ohio players. They couldn't be great. And I think for 20 years, you've seen they haven't gotten the Ohio players and they haven't been great. And, uh, you know, those those were things that I think Andy was was um, wise enough to know that those things had to get done. And I, I think that's why he, uh, you know, he, he tapped us for the job. And, and that's why we had the confidence, you know what, we can get this door closed on Ohio. And if we can do that, we're going to take over. So <clears throat> I want to do a quick shout out to some of my friends that you coached because it's going to lead me to my next point. Um, you know, I played with Angelo Chathams, John Hollins, you know, Will Allen, a lot of those guys. But and again, that was tremendous talent that came through there when you guys were able to win it. But there's another thing you say is that talent isn't enough. And listening to this, again, doing some research, one thing you talked about, I heard that you had provided the team and it might have been like around the 04 season was um, winner ma winners manuals and accountability cards. So putting talent aside and, and, and can you talk more about kind of those, the, uh, the winners manuals and accountability cards and, and how those were able to help and what those were? Yeah. You know, I always believe that you had to have capable talent, but you had to do all of the other things better than everyone else because other people are going to have capable talent. And somehow you got to find the edge. And so we wanted to know how to win. We wanted to help our young people learn how to win on the field, uh, in life, in their professional futures. Uh, those guys you just named, Angelo and, and Johnny and Will Allen, those guys, those guys were guys I inherited. And those guys, Coach Cooper brought them. And we had to make, we had to kind of create a relationship and that's hard on players. It's harder on the players than it is on the coaches. The coaches are coming there to do a job. The players thought it was going to be a different program. But guys like Will and Chad and Johnny, they bought into the holistic approach. That we're not just going to be a good football team. We're going to be good at everything we do. And we're going to be accountable for everything we do. And, and as you say, uh, having great talent is not enough to reaching your potential. You and I have all met people who had unbelievable potential that didn't didn't reach it unbelievable talent didn't reach their potential and uh 
So we work extremely hard on that, and, and I think that's um, that can take a good team and make it a great one. That can make a great team and make it an unbeatable one. It can take an average team and maybe make it good. And, uh, you know, that's what we wanted to spend time on. Yeah, and, and something I think those obviously players bought into was the block O of life, right? Can you talk, I mean, someone that's looking for a life system, maybe that's someone that's going through adversity, which a lot of people on our platform are, maybe they could adopt uh, the block O of life. Could you talk about what that is? Yeah, our block O of life really were six areas that we pledged to our players that we were going to help them reach their potential in those areas. And of course, we used to always laugh at their favorite subject in school or their favorite area in the block O was football. Okay. You know, I mean, we were passionate. We did not apologize for wanting to win. We did not apologize for wanting to be All-American or go to the NFL. Or Those were things that meant a lot to us. Uh, but the rest of the block, though, was important as well. Our, our ethics and morals and spiritual growth, our caring for others, our personal families, our academics, our health and fitness and conditioning and strength and explosion and so we had six areas in the block O that our guys every year, and it was tedious, and, and they used to whine about it a little bit, but, you know, they used to have to fill out goals and then plan to accomplish those goals, and then they would have to fill out their dreams in those areas and their plans to accomplish that. And, and then we would evaluate that ongoing, and, and uh, you know, sometimes people's goals change. You know, they want to be a business major, and they end up being an educator, or they want to be nurse and then they see blood and they want to be an accountant you know they, they don't want to see that blood anymore or whatever you can change your goals but you have to come up with a new plan so uh, we worked extremely hard uh, at that block goal of life and, and i would have coaches at times say hey we need more time in individual period or i need more film time or I need more weight room time or whatever and and you know i would always say hey you know there's a time for everything but we're not going to short our time for making those plans and making sure that our guys know we want them to be as good as they could be in all phases of their life. And really, after a coach was with us one or two years, they got it. And if they went on from there, they utilized similar uh, you know, type program uh, wherever they happen to go. And, and uh, to this day, in fact, right now I'm working on a project that uh, I would really like to to create some sort of semblance of that type of thing for our entire student body, and not only for our entire student body, but maybe for some of the students that came to college and, and didn't finish and that are out there floundering a little bit. And so uh, stay tuned on that one. I'll come back uh, to the underdog uh, when I have this thing squared away, but uh, we have kind of a fun thing we're working on, and and uh, you know I hope it can – and uh, touch a lot of people, you know, regardless of where they are. Yeah, and just to touch upon that, you went from size and scope of 150, 200 folks. I know there may be a little bit more at Ohio State, but now to, what, 13,000 students and over 2,000 faculty. So you're touching over fifteen to 16,000 lives. So I can't wait to hear that. We'll definitely, we'll definitely have it. But also one that I think it's we'd be reminisced not to say in our conversations with Luke Fickle and Marcus Freeman, two, two folks of the many we've talked to, have specifically in our episodes talked about you, Coach. And I think that, and, and, and they talk about it often. We just saw Marcus at Notre Dame in yep. South Bend about three weeks ago. And, you know, 
that hopefully you know, you've impacted not just those guys, people know those guys. I know there's more people that you've impacted, but you know, obviously the block of life and, and you're more than just a coach in football. Like you said, you were trying to make sure to uh, help them all facets of life. So I can't wait to hear what that is. Cause obviously you're, you've impacted lives and it sounds like you're going to continue to do that. You know, you go back to your trials and tribulations, especially at the beginning of the podcast. And I remember my old mentor told me after we leaving Ohio state, he said, no, it doesn't feel like it right now. He said, but your biggest impact is ahead of you. And I'm like, man, it doesn't feel like it right right now. I mean, how can you, have more impact than being the head coach at Ohio State or whatever. And and uh, he said, but you have to believe that. And so I went to work uh, trying to figure out what the next chapter was through the trial and tribulation. Um, in the back of my mind, I kept reminding myself that I had to believe that my greatest impact was ahead of me. And, uh, you know, it... it um, I think it was a, a guiding, maybe a rudder or a guiding light or whatever. Um, and you know, I truly believe that uh, you can impact wherever you are, but next place you are, you'll be shocked and impact more. What philosophies did you bring <clears throat> off the field into the into the business world when you when you moved into the president role? Philosophies and different leadership things. You know, I think it all starts with relationships relationships begin with listening and learning. So when I came into higher education administration, I had been 38 years in college coaching, which is in higher ed. But I wasn't in the part of the business that I was going to now be responsible for. And so I really needed to go to school. I needed to read everything I could read. I needed to, to uh, listen to podcasts of educators. I needed to, to uh get all the periodicals that were about higher education, the chronicle of higher education and things like that. I needed to go sit and talk with people. I needed to, to hear what they needed. And then really, honestly, when I got here uh, seven years ago, the first thing I did was put a group together of my presidential mentors, and it was a group of students. I wanted to find out what they needed. Because it's one thing to know what all of us uh, that are working here need, and usually we'll all say we need more pay or something like that, right? Uh, but, but what does the student need? You know, and that group over the last seven years has probably given me more insight as to where we could make an impact than any. And, and so that listening, planning together, finding out, um, you know, making sure the students and the faculty and the staff know we care about them, same principles as as a team and a staff, uh, no different, but you have to learn new information. Just like anything else, you have to, you have to become confident uh, in the information uh, you know, that, that's part of your game, uh, which really at, at my stage going into my 39th year in higher education, that was kind of fun to have that challenge. You know, every day I was learning something. I had no idea and used to tease people that, um, if I would have known how hard it was to be a president, I would have treated all my former presidents better. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's tough duty, but you don't know that until you learn it. And uh, that's the thrill of going through those trials and tribulations. And, and, uh, and, and you know, your, your podcast being the underdog, 
know, I was an underdog coming in here. I didn't have a PhD. Both faculty had PhDs. I'd never been higher ed, no president or administrator, you know, or anything. Um, I, I guess I had the blessing that I had been here and people knew me, but I'd also had the curse of, well, you were just a coach. Uh, you know, and, and so every day I had to prove myself. You know, and, and in fact, my wife just ran into someone, I forget where she was, and the guy said to her, you know, I was on the search committee when your husband came to a Youngstown State as president. And he said, I just want you to know I voted against him. I didn't think he was the right fit. And he said, but you know what? I have to admit, after seven years, I was wrong, and I'm glad he came. You know, and I think that was after she hit him in the mouth. You know. <laughs> But no, <laughs> but you know, you do have to prove, you know, you do have to prove to people that you can, you can do the job most, especially if you're the underdog. Yeah. And you've done that, right? Awesome, think about what you, when you came into Youngstown, you came into Ohio state back to Youngstown and did you get the so, chills a little bit? Yeah. Like, kind of like a little pregame. Uh, I would love there. to play for <laughs> no, no offense to coach Hepner and coach Montgomery. I, I could have played for coach Tressel. Coach Montgomery. Yes. So, yes. So, and he is. So let's just get this because we're both Miami guys. Uh, and he was a Miami, so I know you're only there for a year. I think it was 79 to 80, if I got it right, or two years. Okay, two seasons. Two seasons. So how, how about that? You know, cradle coaches. You know, I think I think you know what? I, I need to get with Miami and say we need to give Coach Tressel more love a down statue. there. Yeah, let's get that. Well, you know what's funny about that is, is I was never kind of considered part of the cradle of coaches until I won a national championship. <laughs> now all of a sudden they brought me down and put me in the Hall of Fame. So you know. They've, they've given me love. All right. You know, so I, good. I met you, Coach, actually, uh, at the Cradle of Coaches thing at the National Coaches Convention about 2000, 2010. I think you were there with your wife. So uh, and that's when I realized I was like, oh, Coach Trussell coached at Miami. Yeah. So it's yeah, such a small world. tried to hide that for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> we broke out. Yeah. 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 I love it. I yeah. love it. Um, one, one last thing. We get to the final section of uh, Rapid Fire. But I thought it was great, you know, you talk about servant leaders and your parent, talk about parenting. We're both young parents with a couple of kids, and you talk about servant leadership a lot, and you learn that from your parents. Uh, I know your dad coached at Baldwin-Wallace. Your mom did a lot of different things for you guys growing up, volunteering, so on and so forth. And uh, you recently said, uh, make society better through parenting. Can you kind of touch upon servant leadership and parenting? You know, if you think about fundamentals, and, and, you know, there's a lot of discussion going on about what's wrong with our country or our world and what's right with it. And, and uh, you know, there's no single fix for anything because none of us are perfect. And, and uh, you know, there's nothing we can do about the loss yesterday other than learn from them and let's not lose tomorrow. Um, but if I had to pick one thing um, that could help us be better, everything we do and that would be if we do a better job parenting and i heard someone say oh, a year or so ago that the only place that a human really is, is is most capable of learning is through example that is the place that doesn't matter what language you speak what where you grow up what whatever you can learn through example and it can be the right example or the wrong example that you can learn through example, and it can start at home. To me, that's why coaching is such a blessing, is because sometimes 
when the parenting is not as strong as it should be, or maybe the parenting's too strong. We talk about helicopter parents. Now it's kind of evolved into snowplow parents. You know, they're, they're plowing the, you know, the snow out of the way for their kids when kids would be better off of taking a shovel and shoveling it for himself, they would grow better. But regardless of what extreme there is in, in the not the proper example, if we could have better example, and one of the things on this project I'm working on is, is uh, the founding principles of our discussion is going to be in gratitude, because, you know, as imperfect as we are, we're still awfully fortunate. Every morning we wake up, there's some oxygen there for us. Free. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, we're pretty fortunate. So gratitude, selflessness, and high expectations. Sometimes I'm, I'm a little concerned that uh, we've leaned a little bit away from some of those high expectations, yeah. especially in the parenting side of things. And, and uh, uh, those of us that had a, a great example of parenting who had the right blend, my, my parents were good to us and they were nice to us and they loved us. They were tough on us and they had the right dose, you know, of, of the two and, and sometimes I think back to my own parenting and you know was I tough enough at times you know, did I have high enough expectations um, you know the last thing you want your child to think is man I wish my dad would have known how good I wanted to be wish he did you know wish he had known how good I wanted to be and shown me what it was going to take to be that good and that's what the, the team wants from a coach right absolutely to show them how good they can be Right. And, and so I think uh, there's no question that uh, that responsibility of parenting could go a long way in solving some of our issues. Not, not all, yeah. but some. Be the foundation. I, for I think sure. you just found your three guiding. Calvin does all our internal hiring, and we've been evaluating. And gratitude, to your standpoint, has just elevated, especially the last probably 12 to 24 months for us internally. And I do think, you know, standard of excellence, which Coach Trestle says high expectations. So yeah. there you go. You've got your three new verbiages for your hiring. That's why we got them on, right? Yeah. And selflessness. Yeah, and selflessness yes, as well. Sir. Absolutely. Yes, Putting others in front of themselves. So we gra- can't have a good team without being as selfless as we can be. Now, none of it. We're all, we're all human. We all are selfish by nature. But are you willing to work on being as selfless as possible? Be willing to be intentional about doing all you can for others uh, because we're naturally selfish beings. And so it, it takes work. Yeah. yeah, love it. Awesome. And, all right, we ready for uh, some rapid fire? Uh, yeah, and I think uh, you know a couple of his last answers really kind of bleed right into a couple of these rapid fire yeah. questions. So Calvin was trying to figure out why Michigan can't win in the last 20 years. Which he so answered, answered, that, he yeah. answered that early on. So that's that's off the list. <laughs> you the, you, no, the, the, no Ohio players. Exactly. No, Recruit no Ohio, Ohio players. players. Yes. That's simple. No. Chuck, Chuck Woodson was the last one we got. Yeah, yeah, and that didn't work out too well. Or that did, it well, it did out work out very well. well. Yeah, yeah. The sweater vest, we got that one knocked out. Oh, here, here's good for both of us, too. Go from parenting or from, we're talking about us having kids, to you've been married, I believe, El, to Ellen for 45 years. Over 45 years, is that correct? No, 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 23. 
23, okay. 23. My okay, math is wow. way off. So that's, 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 yeah. Well, hey, hopefully you get to 45. <laughs> but it, but it, it feels that way. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's one of the be- the worst okay. blunders we've had. Okay. But hey, 23. Uh, what is your success to that? You know, I, I was blessed with someone that uh, had the same kind of passion uh, to serve others. Um, we kind of, uh, kind of, what's the right word, connected on the, the Zig Ziglar discussion. We were having a discussion on Zig Ziglar, which I happened to be at a, a speech of his in, in uh, Dayton, Ohio, back in the late 70s, and became a Zig Ziglar reader, who just like a John Maxwell and you know a lot of the great thinkers, and, and uh, Zig Ziglar talked about uh, you get everything in life you want as soon as you help enough others get what they want. And uh, that was kind of the way we connected. And when you have a when you have a uh, similar life's path and, and passion, um, you know, it makes life good. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I got, I got another one for you. A little hot hot read here is I thought your sprint out of the gate out of Ohio Stadium was fantastic. You lead the team on the field. What was your fastest as a coach, not a player? You know. What was your fastest uh, 40 time? Did you ever run with the players? Did you ever time yourself? You know, what's funny is when I was an assistant at Ohio State, Earl Bruce, who was the state 100-yard dash champion of Maryland. I don't know if you guys knew that. Mm -hmm. Did not. But he was the state 100-yard dash champion. Held the record for like 40-some years. Of course, they started running meters. That's why, you know, he held the 100-yard record. But he... he, uh, challenged Jim Lachey. You guys remember the name Jim yep. Lachey, who was an All-American. And, and Jim had run the 100 meters uh, in high school in the state track meet. And, and so Earl said he could beat him in the 40. Well, we all lined up, and, and it was a big thing during spring practice. And they took off, and Earl was out ahead after about five yards. And after about 12 yards, that hamstring pulled, and he shot straight up in the air and landed on the ground. And and I thought to myself, even though at the time I was probably in my low 30s, I said, I will never race <laughs> players because I am not going to have that hamstring blow and jump straight in the air. So I've never raced the guys. The fastest I ever ran when I was a college guy was 4'8". So our linemen could have beaten me. <laughs> You, All right, you're so about we, as fast as my co-host. You know here. what? I got, I got, a, I got a freestyle one. We've been doing a lot of back and forth, and, and Coach Fickle called my high school uh, a golfing school, which is Granville High School. I think you had Scott McMullen uh, way back when as a player, so that's where I ended up going to school before Miami, and then he went to Dayton Chaminade, Chaminade Julian. Julian. So he's a CJ Eagles. Who would win in a matchup, Granville Blue Aces or the Chaminade Julian Eagles? Really? We need Coach Tressley. He's Ohio man. I, I know I'm the underdog in this, but we, who would win out of the two of us? If Granville had McMullen and Chaminade had did, – did Kurt Hess come from Chaminade? Yes. The, the play at Youngstown State yep. was all world and everything? Yep. So if it was Hess against McMullen, probably have to go with McMullen. Oh, but wait a minute, wait a minute, yes. wait a minute, wait a minute. The Blue Aces Hold on. win. Angelo Chathams came from Chaminade too. Well, it, if if Hess had Chathams, it, you might have to go with them. But if if Chaminade had Jim Plate, yes, that's who I played for. 
Okay, then I got to go to Shaman. There you oh, go. Okay. There we go. He's there, good. I was, He's good. I was, I was like, wait a minute. He got wait both of us in there. Okay. Okay. Um, that was good. That was good. I actually glad. That's a good freestyle yeah, question. Yeah. Well, Jim, Jim was from Maslin, Ohio. Yes. Yeah. He, he supposedly ripped the stop sign out of the ground when he played for UD. He got so mad he yanked the stop sign all the way out of the ground. He told the story. I was like, all right, you know, <laughs> don't mess with that guy. Two weeks ago. Doing good. <laughs> right. A couple weeks ago. Um, all right. So last question. Last question, coach. Now we ask this question um, at the end of every episode to our guests. And before they answer, uh, we ask them to, we make it that uh, we would like for you to help us with the answer. So question is, who is one person you think we should have as a guest on the underdog podcast? Underdog. You know who I would have? Oh, I would get Chris Creighton. Chris Creighton. I don't the name. D-R-E-I-G-H-T-O-N. Creighton. Chris is a young man that uh, played at Kenyon College back in the day, and I tried to hire him three different times. Ended up going to Sweden to coach and ended up going here and there, and he's the head coach at Wabash and Drake. And now he's the head coach at Eastern Michigan. Hmm. And I know when he was applying for that job about five, six years ago, uh, I was talking to the athletic director, and Eastern Michigan hadn't had a winning season for 100 years. And I remember telling the, the athletic director, I said, I don't think Newt Rockney could win at Eastern Michigan. I think Chris Creighton could. Wow. That's how good. Wow. Wow, so, that and they're they they're, they've been, he's turned the program around. I don't know all the details, has, but I know they've been competitive. That's for sure. They've been darn good. And you know who one of his assistants is that was an assistant for him at Drake is Tom Allen over there at Indiana. Ah, yeah, he's coming on the he's, show yeah, here. He's, he's here coming shortly. on as soon as spring ball's over, so he'll he'll be wow. on here soon. Okay, and uh, actually, and, oh, man, I would say there's an unknown one that uh, once you would get to know him, special. I think we can make that happen because our friend Darren Page, who was his wide receiver coach who played at Miami with us, just left there this um, a month ago and joined Coach Fickle down here at, at UC as the running backs coach. So there's definitely a connection there. So we can definitely make yeah, that happen. Small so, world. Small world. Yeah. Black, coach, Black, and, Black and Decker making it happen. Coaching fraternity. Man. Well, Coach, man, um, appreciate you. This was awesome. Uh, definitely one of my favorite episodes so far. Um, just the knowledge nuggets and – you know, great interaction and the things we were able to take from you. And again, just following your career for so long, you know, when we started this show 80 episodes ago, who knew that, you know, we were going to be able to get someone yeah. like yourself and some of your other, you know, compadres in the, in the field. So yeah, you were, you were one and I'll end it with this. You were one of those guys we wanted, you know, when we were talking to, to Ryan and, and I know his coordination to Ryan Hawks, our mentor and, and, uh, and getting to uh, you know his brother AJ Hawk and all the different guys, and then talking to Freeman and Fickle, and then it's like, man, we have to. So I kept telling Calvin, I was like, keep. I know we can't be that guys, but we got to be. Like, keep keep texting Coach Trestle. I know he's President Trestle. He's busy, but uh, nonetheless, we know, uh, man, you're such a big driving force in this world, let alone the state of Ohio. Um, no you know, this weekend at our game. Yeah, and Doug Phillips, our new head coach. Uh, Doug came from Cincinnati. And Marcus was here. Uh, his son was in the state middle school wrestling tournament. Yeah, saw pictures on social. Yeah, yeah. I actually, yeah. I actually went last. Last story is I met Doug Phillips, and this is why it's crazy. In Luke Fickle's basement, 
a couple years back. We were watching the USC Ohio State bowl game. We were just over there, and um, and I met him, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm a, I was a school teacher until a couple years ago. I was up here, there, there. Now I'm down here, and then I was just super impressed. And the next thing you know, he's at the head coach of young, but he, he's the same way. He reminds me so much of you, coach. Of like, I remember when I talked to him. He was about developing young men and doing things the right way and doing this and doing that. And I was just super impressed of, he talked more about outside of football than in football. So I think it's a great fit uh, for you guys up there at Youngstown. I was very impressed with Doug Phillips. So yeah, we'll definitely be following. We'll try to get up to, uh, to get up get to. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We actually, okay. Hey, you know what? We're going to get Doug and uh, we're going to get, we're going to get tomorrow. Superintendent, the, you know, major college assistant and now FCS head coach. That's, that's a pretty good underdog story. Absolutely. Absolutely. Doug Phillips, here we come. We got yes, Doug Phillips. We're going to get, we're going to, yeah, you're getting us right, coach. We appreciate everything once again. Thanks so much for your time. Best of luck. Yes, sir. All right. Have fun, guys. All right. Thanks, Thank coach. You. Thank you. All right. All right.